You're listening to The Brilliant Ones Podcast with me, your host, Donnie Adams, a show about entrepreneurs and the companies they build. Join me weekly as I speak with entrepreneurs from all over who share their experiences and advice on the companies they created. And be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at The Brilliant Ones. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Brilliant Ones Podcast with me, your host, Donnie Adams. Got a special guest in the building, Aaron McLeod, CEO of Intervene K-12. Aaron, appreciate you coming through. Oh, hey, appreciate pleasure. it, man. This my is <laughs> Appreciate it. This is super exciting because you have an incredible story to tell, right? Uh, I know you spent some time in the Navy. I know you spent some time on the West Coast, but you built a really great company. I mean, and, and it's serving a huge need, especially now uh, the way the ed- education system is going. Um, before we get into all of that, you know, so how, well, so tell me more, a little bit more about uh, your background. All right. So uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles, uh, grew up in L.A., uh, left, uh, left L.A. at 18, joined the military. Um, and that was really, honestly, to escape L.A. We had a lot of, uh, a lot of gang violence um, growing up in the 80s and the 90s. Um, and, you know, we, we can talk about this a little later, but. I was actually much like the students that we we service. I was a, uh-huh. a underperforming student and uh really didn't have too much going on when I was graduating from school or yeah, graduated from high school. So I joined the military, uh did pretty well on my entrance exam and it presented an opportunity to, like I said to kind of escape from LA uh and see, you know, what else was out there cuz I, I really didn't have really uh too much going on as far as like the next step right coming out of high school um so yeah man did you think about college at any point were you like let me go get a certification you know what made you say the military is the route to go um so i did think about college actually um i used to play i used to play football and i thought that you know that might have been a route to get into college um, I really couldn't articulate back then what college was for or right. anything, but I just heard about college more so than anything. But uh, yeah, so we um, when I when I joined the military, it was you know they were recruiting. They had recruiters come to the schools, and um, I think they bought us lunch or something. Right, right. Uh, the Navy guys and took us down to their little station, and I think I was like twelfth grade at the time. And uh, actually had gotten hurt that year in football. So that little scholarship, not that I was really going to get a scholarship anyway, but uh, that, that shattered that. Um, and I remember they, they approached me at like, a, I think a good time where I was like, you know, I just really didn't have a sense of where I was, what I was trying to do. And what they presented to me was, you know, you, you know I took this little, uh, kind of pre-test. I did pretty well. And they said, you know, if you do this, you can go on and be um, in this Navy nuclear power program, which sounded kind of interesting. Um, I have remember taking a chemistry class and it was uh, interesting, you know, learning about like molecules and energy and stuff like that. So anyway, they, they kind of uh, talked me into that. And like I said, it was, it was a good opportunity to just get out of uh, California, um, get out of LA and just see something different. And be able to buy a car. <laughs> I remember I wanted to buy a car. <laughs> I was like, you mean I can get a car and uh, have a little money, get out of the house? Cool. Sold. So would you, uh, So you sign up 
you you take the test, and then I'm assuming you wait for the results, and they tell you you have to go, you have to be stationed somewhere, or how does that process work? Yeah, so the uh, the so in the military they have um, you know across all branches they're gonna have schools and specialties yeah. throughout the country, um, and so we when I took the test, you know, it's kind of immediate results, and you know they told me about the uh, this, this nuclear power program. And that it was uh, it was in South Carolina, okay. uh, Charleston. Actually, it said Charleston. It was in Goose Creek, Goose South Creek. Carolina, <laughs> which is not Charleston. Okay. It's not too far, but it, it, I never it's heard of Goose, Goose Creek. Creek. Yeah, me neither. Until I got there, yeah. um, first time I seen an alligator. Um, but anyway, the uh, so got the results, and they said, you know, you'd be a good fit for this. Um, and at the time, man, I'm a, you know I'm still a kid, and they were like, you know, think about what like Homer Simpson does, right? Yeah, he he operated a nuclear power plant. Right. And what they sold me on was this is an avenue to college. I would get some money for college and I would have a trade that when I got out of the Navy, that I'd have a, a job. Um, so all of that just, you know, just kind of made sense. Yeah. And so yeah. after you finished tra- training in Goosehead, where you where you were were required to go station somewhere like overseas or something? Yeah. So, OK, so you you start at your, you know. In the military, you start off at uh, your boot camp, and then if you go to like an A school, specialty school or whatever, you'll go to that city, um, or if you go just to the fleet. Um, and so our A school was in South Carolina, and then we had this, uh, what they call power school. Uh, power school was in uh, New York. What they didn't tell me, though, before I joined, is that the failout rate of this this program, like it was, it was actually pretty competitive. And so when I get there... It's like, uh, you know, you have to learn all this thermodynamics and uh, physics. And, you know, mind you, I was a failing kid, right? So I go in there, you know, barely graduating with high school with really low, uh, low performance in high school. And so I go in there and they're like, you know, you have to take these classes. And man, I'm failing the class. I'm failing all the tests. And they're like, look, if you don't pass these tests, you're going to have to go to the fleet and paint for the next four years. And I'm like, paint? And you know, you're 18, right? So, you know, right. sign your life on this dotted line. They tell you if you, uh, if you leave, they'll come get you. And, you know, so you're stuck. So, right. so they're like, yeah, you're going to have to paint if you don't pass these classes. Uh-huh. And, you know, fast forward, I, you know, I realized yeah. that they, they actually set you up with other jobs. But, you know, you're 18, yeah. out of school, or excuse me, uh, young, not knowing and so I was like, man, okay, well, I guess I got to figure out how to pass these classes. Right. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen uh, G.I. Jane, <laughs> but they like in the SEALs, you know, they like ring a bell basically when you leave. So yeah. they would like walk you out if you failed enough of these, uh, yeah. these, these tests. So anyway, I was sitting in the back of the class, failing the class as usual. And I remember our, uh, they called the petty officers, but uh, basically uh, a higher ranking person came and sat down with me and was like, look, you know, you obviously got some sort of smarts or else you wouldn't be in this program. Do you want to get through it? And they said, if you do, you're going to have to start studying and you're going to have to start getting tutoring. And so I started you know, sitting and you know, I moved to the front. They taught me how to take notes, how to, uh, how to learn. So I really actually learned how to learn in the military, in the Navy, learn how to study. Um, eventually I, uh, I stopped and actually, um, interestingly, I got, uh, I started becoming like one of the highest performers there. And, uh, I remember a, a young guy comes to me and he's like, 
um, it's like, man, you know, why didn't you go to school for engineering? I'm like 19 at that point. I've been there for a year. I'm like, what's an engineer? He was like, well, the, he like laughs at me first. He's you know, a young guy from Kentucky. He's like, damn, you don't know what an engineer is? Nah, man. And he's like, well, this thermodynamics, these engines, all this stuff. This is what right. engineers build this stuff. He's like, man, I was studying this, but I ended up dropping out of college to come to do this. I was like, dang, wow, that sounds cool. And so that was like a first like spark in my head. Like, man, if you are good at like learning, yeah, there's these other things you could do. So that was like the first time I applied myself. Like right. really applied myself. Right. And so when did you get get uh, when did you start going to uh, college? Uh so I got out of the uh the military about twenty two and uh that's when I went I went back home to LA and um th- at that point I had been to another number of countries uh-huh. and I seen enough you know, they, they had the engineer kind of in my head. Right. And I was putting it together, right? Because now we went from learning to, like, operating. And so I'm I'm out there operating these these uh, power plants, all the equipment on the power plants, and I'm learning about the ship because the ship is huge. Yeah. It's an aircraft carrier. And so, and then we have all these other ships. We pull into ports. I was like, man, I want to build these ships. I think engineers build these ships. Yeah. So I kind of put that together when I got got home to L.A., I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go build ships. I'm gonna be an engineer to build ships. And you know, this is kind of you know, Google wasn't <laughs> that big in 20, 2002. So you didn't really know how to research this stuff. And uh I I remember going to the university that I knew in LA, which was USC, University of Southern California. Yeah. I knew them because of football, right? You know, they're the home team of the uh, when the Raiders left, they became the home team. So I walked up, literally walked up to their admissions office and knocked on the door was like hey i want to come here and learn engineering so i could build ships and they're like uh okay well let's see your transcripts your sats i'm like whoa 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 why are you bringing up that old stuff (laughs) (laughs) let me just how do i get in here and they were like well you really uh you know they end up seeing my transcripts i was like "Ooh, you need to go to a community college first and then you can come here you can transfer i was like, all right what what community college it was like, well, you know, there's a bunch of. I was like, no, which one are you going to accept? Yeah, right. And they were like, well, there, there was um, Santa Monica College uh, was the one that was, you know, had a good transfer rate there. I was like, all right, what classes do I take? Like, I was like, just sitting with the lady. She was yeah. like, damn, you are aggressive. I was like, well, I'm really trying to be here. What, yeah. what do I got to do? I'm trying to build ships. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and so yeah, that's how that's how I got into uh, to, to school. Was I started at uh, or got into um, engineering was. Going back to a community college and then going to USC. Okay, and so you you had USC and did you when you finally get in there, um, you studied mechanical engineering. I did. I did study uh, mechanical engineering. It was um, definitely an eye opening uh, experience. Um, res- the amount of resources right. they had, um, but I tell you, the eye opening, the really the big thing that really uh, stood out for me was I was going to school with kids, so I'm like twenty. Five or 24, 25 at this time, because I had to go to the community college uh, for two years. So I was about 24. And so I go in there and they're taking like, we're taking like calculus two and three. And these kids have taken this class. Yeah. They've already taken these classes. I'm like, where did you learn that at? Because I remember <laughs> algebra one, maybe in high school. And they had taken like computer aided design and all this stuff. There was a computer aided design uh, camps and stuff. And I'm like, 
weird. How are you guys doing all this stuff in high school? I'm like, my high school didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, well, my dad's an engineer and, you know, he, he, he went here and my mom went here and we've got this endowment. Like, endowment? What's that? <laughs> writing checks to the school yeah, yeah. bigger than a mission. I'm in the financial aid line trying to get some money. They in the, in a different line giving money. I was like, wow, this is way yeah, different. You know, just that, just kind of learning, like I said, learning what the exposure and the resources that the, the kids in my classroom had. So I'm like, wow, I got to compete with this? Okay. Wow. So, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, you, you already have, you know, became the, the perfect student per se. Not perfect student, but in the sense of you know how to study, you know how to, you know, do well in your classes. I'm assuming you, you graduate. And then at, at that point, do you immediately start thinking, okay, I'm going to build a business around tutoring? Or do you just mm-hmm. think, is this, you know, I'm going to still continue to go, you know, build, I want to go build ships? No, no, I was, I was kind of laser focus on the uh the shipbuilding, but tutoring actually kind of crept in then because when I got there, you know, you sit in these professor classes and they're like talking yeah. about theory. Yeah. And all of this, you know, things that don't show up on the homework. And right. so then the homework's this way and then the test is this way. So even though I knew how to study, I didn't know how to perform there. Cause even the community college was a little more straightforward. Uh-huh. Um, than what I was seeing at the university. So I spent a lot of time with the teacher's assistants, the professor assistants or TAs, learning how to do their the homework and getting help. And then also finding who got who gets the, who's getting A's in this class yeah, <laughs> and, right. and become friends with the people getting A's in the class yeah. and studying with them. Um, but the tutoring actually came into play then as something to do to make money for myself. And so I started tutoring kids in the neighborhood for like, I don't know, like $10, $12 an hour. Um, you know, young kids that were either um, in my old neighborhood or around um, the school, I would connect in different ways. Uh, and it got to a point where I had too many students to cover. So I started recruiting some of my engineering classmates to tutor the right. kids. And so that's how really the tutor. So I got tutoring myself. Then I got, uh, then I got some people that or found people that needed tutoring and started having um, them tutor. But it was years later that tutoring came back up. So I, you know, I went through the motions of trying to create a business at that point. I think I got like a, a DBA. I thought I was, you know, I thought it was big stuff. I yeah. went into the bank, do a DBA and, um, create an account. And uh, I remember that, that that was an experience in itself, just kind of going through those motions. And back then I tried to make a website. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> made this raggedy little website where they could uh, sign up for tutoring. Um, but anyway, fast forward, I just, uh, after I graduated from um, USC, I still was on this uh, shipbuilding. And at that point, actually, you know, you said, did I want to build a business? I, I, I had got inklings of being a business person and really wanting to run the business, but not necessarily building and creating a business. And I thought that I, at that time I wanted to build a shipbuilding company or run a shipbuilding company. 
And I remember distinctly, like we, you know, we we're engineering school, we walking around with wrinkled clothes. And over in the business school, they were in suits. And I was like, man, at the business school, they look like they're on to something. We over here studying yeah. all night. And they're, you know, you know, they're they they it just looked different. And so I decided to get, and this was random. Um, and my my girlfriend at the time, she actually helped me with this. She said, you know, you, you think you, you might want to be a business person um, and you want to do the shipbuilding. Let's find, you know, in, in mechanical engineering is not a shipbuilding degree, right? There's right. a degree out there that's for shipbuilding. That's uh, like naval architecture. And so I, I researched, now I knew how to research. So I researched naval architecture, the shipbuilding portion, and I found the University of Michigan. And they had a dual degree, a business degree and a naval architecture degree, an MBA and a naval architecture degree. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to go there. And I'm going to learn how to build ships. I'm going to learn how to run, run the business of building ships. Right. And so that's, that's how we, um, that, that's what I did right after USC is went on to uh, University of Michigan. Right. So did you get a chance to spend time building ships? I did. I did, man. It was an ex- amazing experience. I have lived the life of a naval architect. I've done, I've, I went to Korea, built with, uh, worked with them for a bit. Uh, they were the best in the world. Worked with in Denmark. Uh, at Maersk, they're like the biggest, one of the biggest shipping companies in the world. Um, and then I uh, worked in the United States at uh, a couple of defense contractors that were building ships. And so I, I did really get to live, I think, what uh, what anybody that's, you know, that is interested in shipbuilding. I, I felt like I really got to experience that. And then I, the way I got to Houston is... Um, we had a, uh, I, I was interested in coming to Houston. So I targeted Houston because of the price of living. And I actually did an internship while I was at SC up in uh Northern uh, part of Houston. I remember houses four bedroom homes with two car garages for like 150,000. It's yeah, like real estate's cheap out right here. It's crazy. I, it's not, I mean, like it's just insane. I was, man, I was like, and this is, you know, this is like 2005 and in LA, you know, that same equivalent, it was like, Five hundred, six hundred thousand, and they had a Walmart down the street. Well, you know, like, a million dollars can take you very far out here. You yeah. know, get you, a, <laughs> you really get you a nice crib out here for sure. Absolutely. So I was, I was sold on Houston. Then it took me about seven years to end up getting here, but uh, but I came to Houston one because of that, but also the oil industry. I found out that you know that's how they transport. Well, I knew that by then that they transported uh, uh, crude oil um, by ships. And so I got into uh, projects and they have these offshore pro- uh, offshore uh, platforms. And so I got into uh, a group that did special projects that built those and installed uh, like different equipment on those things. And so, um, so anyway, that's how, that's how I got to Houston is working. In, in okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so at what point did the uh, idea for interviewing come up? Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, where where that come from? Right. All right. So, uh, <laughs> how did I get into tutoring? Um, so I so you know when I was working for that that company, actually even before I came to Houston, I started. I was I I had in business school they they get your they get your head thinking about you know that you're gonna run things that like I think they, they say. Um, you know, you're, you're working on business cases as like you're as if you're like the C- CEO of you know this major corporation, yeah. and you get out and you're like, 
you know, you're at the, yeah, you know, the not even middle management, right? You're just like, you know, so you got all these ideas in your head. And so I got out thinking that I was going to run a shipbuilding company. And they're like, no, get in this cubicle and get to work. Right. And I was like, man, this is okay. And I'm like looking at folks that have been working 30, 40 years. And they're, you know, some of them aren't even at the top of this place. And I'm like, man, what's the chances of me becoming like the, the, the CEO here are pretty slim. And I was like, okay, well. How but, you had that, ship? but you had that yeah. idea, though. You I like, did. I had the idea that I wanted to at least run the place. Yeah, but right. I didn't have the idea of starting a business right. until I realized that in order for me to work up to the leadership or the highest levels of the company, it would take years, you know, 20 plus yeah, years, to, years to get there. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. And so I was like, well, I'm going to start a business. Um, and then eventually I'll buy a ship. You know, I'll buy into, I was like, I'll buy into a company at that point if I could just start my own company. And I was like, well, what, what, what can I do that is, um, that doesn't cost a lot of money and maybe there's this upside to it. And I started, uh, around that time, um, you know, uh, I think we had Amazon, we had Craigslist, we had like eBay and apps were becoming big. So this was 2007. No, I got out 10, 10, 2008 to 2010, that's when I got my, like, my first, like, uh, or when the, you know, the iPhone dropped and you had all these apps and stuff on your phone. And, like, you know, there's an app for that, right? And so I was like, all right, well, now that we're getting more, you know, technology savvy, things are, you know, moving in, in that direction. I said, let me try my hand at building a website now that can, you know, looking at like Craigslist and looking at these, these marketplaces. Right. And I said, I'm going to build a, I thought back, I was like, well, let me do that tutoring thing again and I'll build a marketplace where I can connect students and, 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 and parents and, and, and folks that, that tutor. And so I started tinkering around with that right before I came to Houston. And then I came to Houston, I started working these projects and I just kept tinkering around with it. And it took me a few years to get something that was like viable. And I'll tell you, I learned then like you can plan all you want. But until you put something out there, you don't learn really what, what you right. have. And so I, I spent a good three, four years playing around with a, a website and then finally trying to get a user, an end user to use it. And I learned right then, as soon as I started doing that, that what I had built was not really built for uh, really anybody, <laughs> but for me tinkering around. And so I started, uh, started that. Like I said, uh, kind of in a um, on the side, just building a website, and then I, th- I want to say maybe 2015. So I, <laughs> that's pretty bad. I played with this website for, <laughs> for four years, man, and uh, finally I like was like, all right, let me try to get some users in 2015. Yeah. I was like, let me try to get some some people on the site. Around that time. I was starting to learn more about, you know, uh, we, we had high oil prices and they were starting, we were going into a downturn on oil prices. Um, and before, but actually before that, what I, what I realized is I was like, when we were in high oil prices, we were ramping up. We were hiring a lot of people. I mean, we probably hired like 50, 60 people in, in like my group. And while we hired all those people, I was like the only black person. And I was like, dang, okay, you know. Iron people, 
you know, why aren't we hiring any uh, any people of color, right? I mean, they weren't hiring any uh, Hispanics. Um, I was like, man, okay. You know, and I remember approaching my, my, my manager at the time, and it was a dual manager. One was from Korea, and the other one was from South Africa. And we had hired like eight Koreans. So I was like, all right, I know you can hire who you want. You know, right. I kind of approached him. I said, hey, look, you know, what are we doing about hiring? You know, we're saying we want diversity, but what are we doing about it? And they told me point blank. They were like, look, man, we've been trying to hire black people. Do you know any? And I was like, what? And I was like, man, do you know any black people that would come and work for us? And I'm like, well, you know, my black people know each other. So let me, yeah. let me see. <laughs> I'm, you know, I was joking, but I was like, okay, hold on. Right. You mean, what do you mean? It was like, well, we've been to all these universities. We have this big outreach program, but we can't get anybody with these skills. And man, that's when it hit me. He said, he said, you know, think back. Was there anybody from class that you remember that might be out that might be interested? And I realized then I was the only black person that graduated from the University of Southern California with a mechanical engineering degree. I was the only black person that graduated from the naval architecture degree. The business school had you know, uh, a good portion of black people. And I was like, wow. I didn't realize that because I was, I had my head down grinding. Right. I didn't even care. I was like, you know, whoever, I don't care who's in here. I'm just going. And that's when he hit me and they was like, well, let, let's show you some more stats. And they said, you know, we have you know, all these students that are graduating um, or in K-12 every year but the pool of talent is really small and shrinking. He said, they were like, you know, we only got like 20,000 engineers graduating every year. And they're like, the majority of them are not black or Hispanic. Right. I was like, wow. They were like, yeah, it's, a, it's actually a, it's a challenge for us. We have to do visas to get talent from overseas. But they're like, population wise, we got plenty of people. We just don't have them graduating from universities. But they're in the schools. And they said, you know, we'll, we can get you into the university team to go recruit. But really, we need help in the schools. That's where we, in the schools, in it, like K-12, in the um, schools, in the elementaries, the middles, and high schools. And they said, you know, you might, you're not going to get somebody into a seat today. But you could work on planting the seed and getting them into, the, uh, into these roles in the future. Wow, that's that's deep. So anyway, I, I, I you know I went and I started going to schools in Houston, um, and I was like, you know, well, I want to go to the schools that are predominantly black, um, and I, you know, I'll, I'll go talk to them. And I went to those classes, and I would, I would, you know, I had this big presentation about the company and you know all this cool stuff. Well, at least I thought it was cool, and I would present to them. And I think I did it twice. And then I stopped. I was like, you know what? What do y'all want to be when you grow up? I started just stop. I was like, forget this presentation. Tell me right. what y'all want to be. And I started asking them. You know, it would be like 25 kids in the room. And I had all of them. I asked, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? And the majority of them, you know, they would say they want to be uh, celebrities and uh, ball players. And some of them, I was like, you know, I, you know, there's some of them. Ball player, I was like, man, stand up. You know, what I'm, I'm yeah, in high yeah. school. I'm like, you're not even taller than me. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and I ain't tall. So yeah, I'm like, okay. everyone has, has that dream, you know, and, right? And, and, you know, school to be be a professional. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I found it troubling 
And I started asking them why. And a lot of them were like, I want to be rich. I was like, all right. Well, tell me what's rich. And like 40,000, 50,000. I feel bad. I'm like, well, that, you know, I'm thinking, that's not rich. Yeah, like, that's not, that's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and, and in the future, that's going to be even tougher. Um, you know, not knocking the salary or anything. And I was like, okay. But then someone will say, I want to make 100,000. Someone make a million. I was like, all right, all right, now we're talking. You know, if, they, if you really want to be rich. So I was like, I started talking to him. I was like, well, here's some of the jobs that can get you a million dollars, right? You don't have to be LeBron James, who's like one in seven billion, right? You don't have to, you know, you can be the dude that sits on the court side that's making, you know, or in the uh, in the box, making money, um, making a lot of money. And I was like, you know, if you want to make a million dollars, I started going over roles. I was like, you know, like I said, I was supposed to be talking about this company that I was <laughs> representing. But then I started talking to them. I was like, well, private equity, they make this. You know, uh, the hedge funds, they make this. And, you know, I was you know, just talking about these roles. And I was like, you know what? You don't even have to be that smart. It's not even that competitive to right. do these roles. I was like, I went to school with some of these cats. They all right. They <laughs> that are right. doing these jobs. They all right. Uh, you know, not knocking them, but I was like, they just knew where to go. Right. And so I did those, I did a few of those, and it really just kind of bothered me, actually. I mean, it just kept eating at me. I was like, damn, these kids, you know, you're in the room. It's like Jeff Bezos comes to the room. He's like, yo, you want to be a billionaire? This is how you do it. Then he leave. Right. It's like the gap is yeah, not yeah. going to, it's not going to, the gap's not going to close, right? It's not like you're going to take that notes down. Like, All right, cool. Let me go work on being a billionaire now. And so it wasn't. I felt like I wasn't really getting there to them. And then the aha happened for me because I'm tinkering around with this tutoring and they're telling me, oh, the other thing they said, they, they were like, we're not, I was like, well, you know, I start telling about these roles. I was like, you can do this. This makes a hundred. You know, you can be a dentist, you can be a surgical dentist. You know, I'll just, Tell them all these roles, like this makes this much money, this makes this much money. And then they would say, well, I'm not good at math. I was like, man, I was like, that's a muscle. Yeah. <laughs> you can get good at math. That's nothing. Uh, and uh, and I remember that's when I said that, that, that it kind of the aha happened. I said, one, these kids are just like me. I didn't know what, you know, you asked me earlier about college. I was like, I didn't know why. Yeah, you didn't know, you know, didn't know about it. What? Um, I didn't know there that you could make money. Um, I'd never seen anything outside of my neighborhood. So they were, you know, a lot of kids would talk about like things that they would see in their neighborhood and they couldn't, they, nobody else was necessarily going to college for any of these roles that I'm talking about. So they didn't know, and they didn't know why, like how math and reading and all these subjects and all this, why academics was tied to that. And so I saw that, like I said, I saw myself and I was like, man, um, what if the tutoring exposed them to these roles and the salaries while I helped them with reading and math? And, that was, and that's kind of what, that was the spark right there. Because right. I had been playing with this application and what I had built was really for parents, but more affluent parents because I didn't know. And I was like, well, I got to get this application in the hands of these young people 
that are unfortunately in poverty, they're not going to pay for tutoring. And that's, and it was like a few things came together and I found out that schools paid for support. Okay. Okay. This is, this is it. I can build something. And now I had like a, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't just build something for, for anything. I was like, I was a little bit, I was at that point, I was a little pissed off because I realized that like, again, I saw myself and then I also saw that, uh, you know, I could do something that was actually positive. It wasn't right. just to build something. I could, I could help these kids. And so that was, like I said, that was the beginning. That was the beginning. Yeah. So the beginning. what, uh, what all do you do? What all do y'all do at Intervene K-12? So, yeah, so we, uh, we run assessments on students. So that was a piece that I, that we kind of put together was, um, figuring out where the skill gaps were. Cause you know, you're working with a ninth or 10th grader that, maybe missing gaps from like third, fourth, sixth grade. So we run assessments first. Then once we have the assessments and the data that tells us where they need help, we build content. And in that content, that's where we're embedding that workforce readiness. So I had to learn all these terms, right? Workforce and career, military readiness. But anyway, that's what, that's where we embed that, that information along with say the reading skill that we've identified. So we have, reading skill identified. We have the content that matches. And then we have a uh, a tutor online that's working, that's using this content to help them. So it's assessments, it's analytics, and this online small group instruction or small group tutoring. And it's in in, in education, they call it intervention. Hence the name intervene. So it's response to intervention. Wow. I read that you guys, I think almost helped over like what, 30,000 students. Yes. Wow. Yes. Is it all just here in, in Texas? Or no, it's uh, the majority is in Texas, uh, but we just started moving like last year, last school year, uh, we moved into uh, multi-state. And so we helped some kids, we helped some uh, schools. In, uh, we worked in Michigan, worked in Kansas City, uh, Connecticut, um, and now we're starting to move into uh, more states. Uh, but it, we did, we definitely uh, were working with Texas primarily for like the first three, three and a half years or so. Gotcha. Yeah. So with, with your background being in engineering and having a background in business, right? And then now you you understand where, you know, okay, this is going to be what I'm going to go do. How were you able to bridge the gap between, uh, I'm assuming the technology used for the assessments, right? The, uh, the online tutoring, how you were like, okay, how I'm going to, put this together? Do I need, do I need support from someone else? Do I need to bring in a co-founder? How were you able to bridge that once you got this idea? So, yeah, so actually I, I, uh, I met, I had a, a co-founder, uh, and he came from the classroom and he was an interventionist. So he's the one that taught me about the assessments and analytics they were running in the classrooms. And what he showed, shared with me and taught me, he was, uh, he was actually a mentor too, but he, what he taught me was, about the analytics and data that would really, knowing that information would be able to drive like growth. So when him and I came together, I I knew, I felt like, oh, we got to have instruction. We got to have, you know, the kids need to see themselves in the, um, in the content. They need this career workforce readiness. And he helped, uh, help think, or he was thinking about like the data portion. And so we bridged 
that together and started building like our first iteration, right, of this data platform, assessment platform um, with this reporting capability. And so we, I mean, we, we had, uh, I think we had one developer, one uh, software developer, and we kind of articulated to him, this is what we want this to do. And we brought in a, a company, uh, which we thought was a company. It was a guy and his, uh, a guy and another guy. <laughs> it was a company. But uh, we had him uh, really help us take it to the next level as far as um, you know, our assessment capability. Um, and then we just kept building in those day, all that time I had spent. What I didn't mention is the tutoring while I was, you know, working at the company that I left. And, you know, while I was going out there talking to schools, I had eventually launched that first iteration. Uh, and I had it out there. I had some users and I learned how to manage tutors online and like recruiting them, um, getting the background checks, getting them set up and go through, uh, uh, you know, a system. So I had built that system to quick to like rapidly uh, recruit and like deploy them. And like where, how to deploy them. And I had learned this lesson, man. I had, because the first iteration was tutoring in person. And I sent this young lady to a house, <laughs> sent her to this house. And she calls me. She's like, look, sir. She was so sweet. She's like, look, sir. I, you know, I really work, like working with the kids and they're the kid, but I, I can't go to this neighborhood again. <laughs> she was scared of the she neighborhood. She was scared of the neighborhood. Oh and I was like, oh, you might be in danger. <laughs> I didn't even think about like sending people physically to people's houses and their homes. Right. What you know what that could look like, and I was like, oh no no no, we got to figure something out. And we we launched online. I, I quickly pivoted to online online tutoring. So anyway, so that so so I, I did that because of uh, you know safety reasons. Yeah, safety reasons. And then also I realized I could ping people into different places. Right. So yeah. she, one person driving to one location can service that one person in that hour. Right. right. Their commute might be 30 minutes. Another so I lose two hours. But if I beam them to place to place in that hour, I could serve two people and maybe four people, five people, depending on how, how much, uh, you know, as long as I kept them working and kept a schedule. And so I l- knew that. And that's when we started piecing it together was like, okay, I know how to run this tutoring thing. Um, let's let the data help us figure out what to help the kids with. Right, okay, and you were able to put it together now. Yeah. Right. So uh, did you go through an accelerator? Did you, uh, to, to raise money, I'm assuming, or were, were you funding, the, once you got on with your co-founder to add the assessment piece to it, did you all say, okay, let's, let's go raise money or let's just use our own funds? So um, the whole concept of raising money was like, Brand new. Right. I just it's trying to think of somebody giving me some money. Like people say, go for, raise money with friends and family. I'm like, I don't got friends like that. Yeah. <laughs> they write me no checks. <laughs> my family, yeah. I got it. Like, this don't work out. I got to talk to them again. Yeah, right. right. So I was yeah, like, my uh, write a check. They, and they wasn't trying, trying to write no check either. Yeah. So, because uh, I did ask a little bit, but I was like, okay, well, I was like, how much money I actually need to build this web platform? Because I've already been building this thing. So I was like, you know, I got to iterate a little bit. I was like, I don't need a lot of money to do that. So I didn't really need a lot of money. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what to use money for. Um, so I was like, well, we built a platform. 
let's go see if somebody will buy it, right? So we went to conferences, like <laughs> we, we we would set up a conference booth. We didn't have any materials or anything. I remember we had a chalkboard. We were writing on the chalkboard, like different things to get their attention to see if they liked it. And so we went to about four or five different conferences around Texas. Um, but as far as money, you know, I was funding it. Um, and my co-founder was still working at the time. I was, I was, uh, I had left my job at that point. This was like 2000 into 2006 or six, 2016. Um, I had left the job to just do it uh, full time. Um, one thing I had learned, um, just hope I'm not talking too many circles here, but, uh, I remember, uh, it was like the, you heard of, uh, Ghost of Christmas Past and Future, or whatever, like uh, right. the, uh the the Scrooge, the Scrooge, yeah, right? Yeah, the Scrooge, yeah. Then I got on this plane. It was like it was like the same thing for me. I, I I got on a plane going to I was working and going back and forth to Brazil, and I remember sitting next to this entrepreneur, and you know he's in jeans, chilling. I'm in like a suit, about to go on like a ten hour flight. I'm <laughs> a suit, he chilling. I was like, man, we, you know what do you do? And he told me he 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 ran a company, he started a company. I was like, man, I want to start a company too. And um, he told me, he's like, man, what are you doing? Why don't you start a company? I was like, well, you know, trying to get the bills or trying to save up enough money. He's like, like, man, forget that. Man. Just start the company. He's like, leave your job, first of all, and then start the company. I was like, no, nah, I mean, I, my bills don't work like that. He was like, look, you will figure it out. But you ain't go, you're not going to figure anything out if you don't go for it. And literally flying back to the United States, I met another entrepreneur sitting right next to him. And he was telling me the same story. He's like, man, I left my job, started a company. I'm like, damn, okay. This is crazy. And then it was around December. I fly back to LA and there's another entrepreneur sitting next to me. And he's like, he was just asking me what I do. And I'm like, you know, at this time I'm in jeans chilling. I'm in, I'm in I got upgraded to first class because I've been flying back and forth so much. And I'm like, and he, and he, Tells me a story. He's an entrepreneur too. And all of them had left a job. All of them had focused. And I was like, man, this is a sign. This is God. And so um, not too far after that, I left, I left the job. So anyway, uh, I, I, I felt like I'm sharing that. It was fate. It yeah. was fate for you. You yeah. had at all the, like the universe like lined up. You know, God to. put those people in your, your path to kind of, you know, say, hey, it was meant, meant for you to kind of leave your job. So you, you, you leave your job. Like you said, my bills don't work, work like that. Well, hey, listen, the way my bills are set up, just just can't just leave. You just can't get up and leave. Right. I'm assuming, right? At this point, you you have a family. At this point, or you are yes, yeah. right. Uh, yeah. But you just can't. How how were you able to adapt when you just say, you know what, I'm just going to go full time into this? So I had bought some real estate. Um, read this really good book. Uh, rich dad, poor dad. And it was about liabilities and assets. And so I bought like a, a fourplex and we were living in one unit. And so I lo- uh, we left. My wife really wanted a, a house. So we bought a house. I was mad. I didn't want to leave this house. I, was, I didn't want to leave the, this little apartment because it paid for everything. We ended up leaving there. Um, and I closed on a house like literally like the two days or three days before uh, I left the job. And so I've got this property kind of cash flowing, right? And so that was like a little buffer. And my wife works. So we, you know, we lived pretty lean and Hurricane Harvey comes and wipes that out. <laughs> I didn't have no insurance. So that, that really hurt. Uh, and so 
you know, you asked a question about bootstrapping or raising capital. So we didn't raise any capital. We literally, once we kind of positioned and said, this is what we're going to sell, we just tried to sell it, right? Just ask people for feedback um, and ask them if they would you know, be willing to. It took us a little while to ask them for, for them to pay. Um, and then I think the first thing that we sold was like $300. <laughs> we weren't really paying our bills or anything right. with that. But anyway, um, so when we left the, uh, when I left, and I, I, I had a little buffer and I think it was about three or four years before I started paying myself really. So I was, I was okay. And then I wasn't, <laughs> and then I wasn't. And I, and that's when it got really hard. Um, um, but uh, but you know, just stuck in it. Right, just kept going. Well, when it did get hard, did you have the thoughts to go back to work, or did you have to go back to work? I think um, I thought about going back to work, but not in the capacity of a, a prof- like a job like I had. Um, I thought about like working in like a warehouse at nighttime right. just to make bills. Yeah. Um. But at that point, I was just too far in. Like I was, I had my mind really, really focused on like we're gonna make this thing work. Um, and so at that point, it was just about making bills. Then it was about like you know going making six figures at a right job. You you it was just too deep in it to say yeah. you know what I can't turn back. Yeah, right? it's just like yeah. I have to keep pushing through. I mean, when you work in basically from like nine, eight a.m. to like three, four a.m. every day, you know, there's a certain amount of like commitment at that point right. that it's hard to like even think about working for another company. Right? You, know, you just can't. You just you just can't. When you got at least for me, I was just I was just stuck because I was like. The next, I'm going, it's going, the next thing is going to, like, the next thing I have to do is, you know, I have to build something, have to create something, or I have to go to this event, or I got to go meet with, try to meet with this client. And so it was just nonstop trying to do, trying to build, trying to create, trying to grow. So, you know, thinking of a job, another job is like, that's a, it's kind of a waste of, Time and bandwidth to do that, which is crazy. You have to right. back. I'm like, yeah, you look <laughs> at it. Yeah. Right. And so, when did things start to change? Um. So I think in 2018 was you know a game changing year for us because we we realized the value of what we were. When we were selling, we were trying to sell our programs, it was this posture of please give us a chance. And what I didn't know about schools and districts was that, you know, there's a lot of a lot of red tape, right? These are uh, you know, you have to they have to do a lot of due diligence on who they purchase programs for. This is taxpayer money. And so even though you've got something good, if you don't presented as if as value add or solving a pain point, you know, it's like, okay, well now I gotta take a chance on something. 
you know, you know, and right. these administrators, you know, they can't really, they're not in the business of taking chances, right? You're talking about, you know, uh, folks that their jobs are on the line, um, you know, if they make mistakes. Um, and so for us in 2018, we launched, we, you know, we've been working on assessments. We've been working on trying to put it all together, the assessments. So we sold the assessments for a little while and we learned about reporting and how to do our data. And so we were ready to launch the tutoring portion. And so we had, we brought it full circle. And in 2018, we got our first contract and you asked about um, uh, accelerators. So we got into an accelerator program out in Austin. It was called Div Inc. So it was like for uh, minority oh, yeah, founders. Div Inc., yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Very popular here. So, uh, so yeah, so we we got in. So they were just in Austin. They, they didn't have a, a Houston footprint yet. Yeah. So we got in there, but at the same time, we sealed our like first 20, it was a $28,000 contract, right, to do the tutoring. And the dean of that school sat down with me and she was like, you understand what you're doing, right? You are, this is game changing. This is, this is, this, you do this right and you're going to have a huge impact. And so I'm traveling back and forth to Austin and this deal comes through and I'm like, you know what? Another one comes through. And so we're like at $60,000, right? We, and I'm telling you, we were selling this, our programs for like $300, right? right. <laughs> so this kind of money is like, whoa, they're actually paying this kind of money? Yeah. And so I had to like leave the Div Inc. Uh, accelerator. I was like, hey, I just want a contract. I got to go like actually concentrate on delivering this thing. And I'm going back and forth. There was no money at the time. They didn't give us any money. So I'm yeah. on my own dollar going back and forth to Austin trying to find a place to stay. And I was like, you know what? I got to go back and service this thing. And, and that's when we stood up. The tutoring. I mean, we really worked hard. I remember I was tutoring. We had to figure out how to get a bunch of tutors. But again, we had did I have done this before, but not at the scale. And that that was uh, a really a pivot point for us. Um, and you know, the follow-on school year, we kept growing. And I think that year, that 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 calendar year, we made like our first north of a hundred thousand, like fifteen thousand or something like that. We're like, whoa. So I'm like, look, let's make 500,000 at that moment. I'm like, let's do, you know, let's go right, bigger let's next, do, yeah. right? And that's when I started saying, we should probably go get investors. Because I was talking to, you know, the accelerator was all about investors yeah, right. and getting ready for pitching. I was like, all right, we're big enough, or we got something that I think an investor would be interested in. And man, it just everybody turned us down. Like every time we reached out to them, they'd be like, nah. Talk to us. It seems like you might have something, but like talk to us when you get to five hundred thousand. Okay. Um, and so that year we ended up doing like three hundred and fifty thousand, right? And I'm like, they gotta talk to us now, right? So we went back to the investors, and you know they're like, yeah, you you're on to something, but you know, um, no, I, I take it back. They they said get to three hundred thousand and come talk to us. We got to three hundred fifty, and they're like, nah, not yet. You know, talk to us when you get to five hundred. Okay. And then the next year we did like, like uh, 800,000, you know, like, whoa, okay. Now we're, we're, we're growing and investors like, yeah, talk to us when you get to a million. I was like, 
I'm not talking to you guys no more. Oh, yeah. I, was like, I was like, forget it. You know, we're going to focus on the real investor for us, who is our customers. And we're going to just focus on doing a really good job for them. So, so in that early stages, what kind of feedback were you, you all getting from investors? They were like, tutoring, we don't know. Is this, you know, what were some of the, I guess, the feedback that you got from investors? Mm, man, you know, there's a saying that says, if you want to raise capital, ask an investor for advice. <laughs> you want advice, ask an investor to, to uh, write you a check. And that's all we were getting was advice. Like We would go and they're like, well, you know, you should tweak your pitch deck this way. Or, um, you know, is there really a market? Um, you know, how are, you know, how are you going to get all the tutors to, to do this? How are you going to scale, you know, prove to us that you can scale. And it was like all this prove, prove, prove. You don't have this, you don't have that. And we're like, well, that's why we're asking for money. We, we want that, but like we're hustling, yeah. not hustling is a negative thing. Like we're like busting our, you know, behind trying to, do all this stuff. It is just two of us in a, in a developer who is a company yeah. <laughs> or another individual. Right. Yeah. And so like, you know, that, and we're like, well, how are we supposed to do this? You know? And so that was kind of the feedback of just like, you're not ready. We're not sure you got a market and come back to us when you make more money. So you guys are now at 800,000 in sales. Yeah. Like you go back to the investors and they still tell you no. At that point, um, cause that's, this is 20, I'll give my, my years mixed up. Uh, so I think what happened was the, um, it was 2021 when we hit our first 800,000. And what, uh, what happened at that point was like, and I, and, and our fiscal years all different than the calendar year. Cause we go about a school year. So we'll say right. school year. Uh, 2021, he had 800,000. At that point, I actually was done talking to investors. I was like, you know what? They're not wanting to back us and we're getting momentum that we can pay our own bills and we can start paying people. And so I was like, you know what? I'm a, I do better focusing on our customers, focusing on our product than focusing on an investor. And then um, we did end up getting some seed capital of two hundred thousand dollar check, um, and but that's like we're already at hundred thousand. So I was like, okay, well, thank you. I don't really need your money, but thank you. But they gave us advice, and that was even more like the real, real advice. Like we're gonna hook you up, we're gonna connect you with some people. So they took a vested interest in us, um, and that was the uh, CEO of a company called Amplify which is another big education firm and um, his business partner, um, Zach, and they mentored us. Um, and so at that point, you know, I, 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 I wasn't seeking uh, capital and I had another mentor who told me, he said, stop selling stuff for like $3,000, $4,000. You need to set the price a little higher. And he said, don't, you know, you have to sell to the district, which, you know, you got districts. Right, you, have to, you have to sell to the school districts. You can't just sell the individually to the schools. Exactly. Because we had to do so much for the campus 
sales and we're like, do the same amount for the district sale and they'll take you serious and you set your price point higher. So we didn't inflate our numbers. We just had more schools, more students rolling up to the district. And they're like, you know, you got to put all this infrastructure behind servicing because these are people, right? You got people, different times and stuff. So they're like, you know, you had to do these technology integrations. And so they're like, you know, he was like, look, just set your, you know, you're not going to get every deal. But if you can get a million, you get you know, 10 clients at $100,000, a million dollars, your life is going to change. And I did that. And then we ended up getting to 13 million. And I was like, okay, now we, now we're on, you know, and that's when the investor started calling us, which was a completely different conversation. Right. Um, so yeah. Wow. No, that is, you know, something that again, you know, you put yourself in a position to where investors are calling you, right. You build something, right. They tell, you, no, they tell, you, no. And now it's just like, okay, I'm going to show you, right? It's, it was that it was that determination that you had to kind of keep going. Did you keep that in mind, or did you just say, you know what, I'm focusing on just growing the business and and not worry too much about investors? Yeah, I wasn't worried about investors because honestly, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know what I would use their money for. Yeah, because I was like, well, we got money now. Yeah. Like, what do what? I don't know what they're what what to do with right. the money at that time. It's just like, well, let's just keep growing, keep doing a good job. And we'll, you know, we had margins, we were profitable. Yeah. Um, and I could start paying people like market rates. I was like, okay, where does the investor come in? And so then I started seeing like my competition. You know, we had always watched the competition, but not from an investment lens to see what they could do. More like how are they moving in the market, what were their products, but not what positioning so we learned a lot about the position I was like, okay that's what that's one of the things that money can do and also scaling it's like okay this is now now i'm starting to get it but before that like honestly man when, uh, when people start talking about raising capital at the beginning i was like like i said i was like well we just built a program we got enough we, we had enough money to build a program so where does where does investment dollars come in let's just go to the market and, and sell it so it was still that mentality uh, that I had uh, when we started getting, uh, you know, a decent size um, revenue. Right. And so, what what's your plans over the next couple of years with the company? So yeah, man, we're uh, so I always had a master plan, right? Like I was like, you know, once we, when we built the program, we built it so that we could go into different markets because you. What I was saying is when we, my, my first iteration of this was for like parents um, to, to pay for, you know, for them to get tutoring. And so while I was tinkering for years, I started figuring out <laughs> all the different places that people might want instruction. And then I also figured out, not all the ways, I figured out a number of places that online instruction became key. Um, and so we're now, you know, wanting to continue to grow and build and service the mission driven, what I would say, portion of intervening K-12 is like helping those kids you know, that, that are underserved communities and helping them 
that career focused uh, support, but helping them with those core subjects, reading and math. But that's not the only people that need, need help. And so we're just looking at ways to position what we have, because what we have is the ability to instruct at scale, right? Thousands of people in a day are working with us, students, tutors, and so on. And we're managing that. And so we get, there's a lot that you can do with, with that. So not to give too much away, who's going to watch, but you know, we're going to be moving into a few different verticals, I would say over the next uh, six months, six to 12 months. But I will say this, I had a master plan around this and I just needed to prove out that we could scale up the operation to try new stuff. So now I'm in that place of just like, all right, let me, let me try a few things. To see, right. you know. Now can individual parents sign their students up for intervene K-12 or it's mostly a, so the schools. So through the schools, that's our main Avenue um, today. Um, we do have another uh, program that's for parents. Um, that's kind of in a beta uh, stage right now. Um, I think we'll probably drop that before the end of the year. Um, but it's it's kind of a completely different uh, interface, if you will, than the um, than the intervene K twelve. Okay, nice. Yeah. Well, no, that, that's yeah. awesome. Well, Aaron, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Always yeah. ask this question. So, what advice would you give the other entrepreneurs? Um. So, you know, the thing that you know that I chose you was like the uh, impediment or not impediment, but the uh, Impetus. There you go. The impetus for me was, you know, being passionate about something and wanting to do something for people, uh, for young people, trying to get them into uh, corporate America. I feel like uh, if you can get passionate about whatever it is that you want to do, that is going or have if you have passion around what you want to do, that that in itself is going to. Um, help with the drive and the long hours because it is, it's a marathon and sprinting a marathon too. So being passionate about your, uh, whatever you're doing and maybe some people are just passionate about building, whatever the case is, but you got to have, it can't just be the money. You may be, okay, I gotta, I'm going to make some money out of it, but you gotta, whatever you're building, whatever you're doing, you gotta be passionate about it to put in that work, to put in that work. And then the other thing is if you can, um, and you're working, try to make the job part-time. And I know that's a difficult thing to say, but make, make the job part-time and make the company, whatever you're building, full-time. Because that full-time focus, all your energy and um, everything that you're, 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 you're pushing through, you want to be able to focus on that. And so you got to have something that's whatever your, you know, if that's not your income, you got to have something, your income cannot drain your money. Because you need that creative space to just push at your company. So that's, I think those those two things are what I would suggest to any entrepreneur. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Oh, no. Appreciate you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to come and uh, talk with you and, and you know, commend you for this work. You know, I'm really, uh, really a big fan already of the brilliant ones. And so I'm <laughs> um, looking forward to uh, listening to you and, and more uh, entrepreneurs and learning. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks. 
You're listening to The Brilliant Ones Podcast with me, your host, Donnie Adams, a show about entrepreneurs and the companies they build. Join me weekly as I speak with entrepreneurs from all over who share their experiences and advice on the companies they created. And be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at The Brilliant Ones.